John's gospel is where we're gonna be for the next four to five weeks for this series. And the reason for that is John's gospel is a little bit unique in that the first half of the gospel of John covers about three years of the life and ministry of Jesus. And then the last half of John's gospel covers one week. John gives us more detail and more insight into the final week of the life of Jesus than all of the other gospels. And so that's where we'll be uh, again for the next four to five weeks. Today, we're gonna be in John 12, looking at what for many of you would probably be a a fairly familiar story. It's a story where Jesus um, is at this this dinner party and and Mary, Mary of Bethany, um, basically pours out um, a very expensive bottle of ointment or perfume and begins to wash the feet of Jesus with her hair. And then Judas, we're gonna see in a minute, Judas kind of speaks up and, and, uh, and it's just an interesting sort of interchange that we're gonna read about in this, this really beautiful um, act of worship that Mary does. Uh, before we kind of get into that, or as we get into that, I wanted to kind of catch you up so we have some context here. So in John chapter 10, Jesus basically declares that he is God. Um, and, and so he's kind of he's said it in some more subtle ways, but in John 10, it's a pretty bold declaration. I and the Father are one. He, he's declaring himself to be God, um, which as you can imagine, ruffles the feathers of some of the religious leaders. Well, then to show or to demonstrate this power, this authority, um, he performs what is probably his most amazing and most astonishing miracle of, of any miracle in, in John chapter 11, and that is... And that is where Jesus raises his friend Lazarus from the grave, okay? Lazarus was a friend of his. Um, He had been dead for three days, okay? He wasn't sort of of dead or kind of dead or partially dead or barely dead. He was all the way dead for three days. And then Jesus rolls up to the cemetery and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes walking out of the grave. Probably, I picture it like wrapped up like a mummy, um, up to 100 pounds of like linens and stuff wrapped around them. That's the way they would prepare the bodies for burial. And so I don't know what that looked like, but that's my picture is like a mummy coming out uh, in all the wrappings when Jesus tells Lazarus to, to come out of the grave. It was this unbelievable, unbelievable miracle to show his glory, his, his power, his authority as, as God. Well, then we get into John chapter 12, and this is, the, this is the last week of the life of Jesus in John chapter 12. And so here's where we'll, we'll start in verse one and just see what happens here. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And so they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. So I'll stop just briefly and, and mention a couple things. Um, first of all, this has been a big week for Lazarus, right? I mean, he was, you know, dead and decomposing in a grave somewhere, and all of a sudden now he's alive again, okay? So uh, kind of a big deal. I, I'm guessing for Lazarus, like for the rest of his life, he celebrated his birthday and then probably like his resurrection day, right? He had a B day and an R day for the rest of his life where he was like, hey, I was, I was born, yay me, but then I was dead and now I'm alive again on this day. And so they have a dinner. And in context here, I don't know, it says they had a dinner there for him. I'm not sure if the dinner party was for Lazarus or for Jesus, okay? Um, either way, it's kind of a big deal. Like if you were brought back to life, the least you could do maybe is throw a dinner for the guy that did it. Um, or they're there to celebrate Jesus um, for this unbelievable miracle. But Jesus and Lazarus are both there at this dinner party, 
And it says, this is customary, um, just so we can kind of set the stage for what's about to happen, that they were reclining at the table. And so in that day and time, um, a lot of times tables were low, like on the ground, and they would sort of like stretch out, feet away from the table, reclining, and they would, they would kind of lean up on one arm, they would converse, they would talk while they were eating, kind of laying down. Now, I don't know where this tradition got lost, but I'm a big fan. Like, I would love to bring that back. That sounds awesome to me, right? You kind of lay at the table. You're like, you're like eating and talking. When you're full, you can like roll over and take a nap. That sounds, that sounds awesome to me. I wish we could still do that. I tell my wife, listen, if I eat till I'm full and then I go lay down, it's not because I'm lazy. I'm just trying to be more like Jesus, right? I'm just trying to be um, a godly man like Jesus, right? And just rest after I eat. So this is the way that it would work. They would be um, sitting at the table, laying at the table, feet stretched out away from the table um, while, they were, while they were talking there. And, and then we'll, let's see what happens here, verse, verse three. It says, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. So this is an unbelievable story where the disciples, Jesus, they are reclining at this table, they're, they're, they're eating, they're talking, and all of a sudden Mary of Bethany, Mary rolls in and she begins to pour out this, this ointment, this costly perfume, and she begins to anoint and wash the feet of Jesus with her own hair. Um, this would have taken everybody in the room. I mean, this is not something that, that no one noticed. This wasn't something she was doing in, in secret while the guys are talking and no one was paying attention. This would have interrupted what they were doing. Have you ever sat next to somebody that maybe is wearing a little bit too much perfume or cologne, right? It can be a, it can be a pretty strong smell. So you can imagine with something like this, as she pours it out, the fragrance fills the whole room a quite strong, like Everyone in the room would have been sort of taken back by, oh my gosh, what in the world is this woman doing? And so Judas is going to speak up, but I'm sure everyone in the room had some questions. It would have, it would have taken everybody back just a little bit. As I thought about this story, I've read this story over and over and over again. And this week as I was preparing for this message, one thing that struck me was the difference in the responses of Mary and Judas. Uh, you could say that life, in a lot of ways, is about how we respond to things, right? A lot of life is about how we respond. You can tell a lot about a person by how they respond. You can tell a lot about someone's character. You can tell a lot about someone's heart by the way they respond. And as I read through the story, the two sort of main characters, Mary and Judas, it struck me how um, the ways they respond stand in stark contrast to one another, the way Mary responds to Jesus and the way Judas responds to Mary. And so I just jotted down some ways that they, the ways they responded and maybe we can learn something from the character in the heart of Mary. 
First thing I wrote, I wrote down was this, that, that Mary responds to Jesus out of love and devotion, whereas Judas responds to Mary out of contempt. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were siblings, and we hear about them throughout the Gospels. They were dear friends of Jesus. Uh, they often helped minister to Jesus and his disciples. They, they were apparently uh, of some means because they had a very big home. They opened their home on numerous occasions to Jesus and his followers. They probably helped financially contribute to the ministry of Jesus. They hosted dinners for Jesus and his disciples. So this is just one of many examples where they are in the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, again, were siblings, but one thing we notice about them from the, the episodes in the Gospels is they're, they're, they're very different. They're wired differently. Um, how many of you have siblings, brothers or sisters? Anybody have brothers and sisters? Okay. Now, how many of you would say, I am very different than my brothers and sisters, right? Most of you, right? I have an, I have a, an older brother and a younger sister, and I am very different than them. If my brother was here, you might not even know we were related. I mean, we are crazy different, right? Some of you are maybe with your own siblings. You're just wired different. I have three boys. My three boys are very different personality-wise, very different. Um, and, and so it's not surprising that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are different, but we get to see it in the stories. Uh, Martha, for example, every time Martha is mentioned, she is busy doing stuff. She's a doer. She's serving. She's like queen hospitality, setting the table, taking care of the dishes. She's Martha Stewart, right? This is, this is Martha. She's just always busy, always doing. In fact, in Luke 10, there's a story where Martha is busy serving. Again, they're in their home, the disciples, Jesus. Martha is like, she's just busy making sure things are set, making sure things are perfect. The house is clean. Everything's right. And Mary is just sitting there listening to Jesus talk with all the guys, and Martha, it's, it's kind of comical, Martha at one point walks up to Jesus and she's like, hey, um, can you make my sister actually help and do some stuff? Because she's not doing anything. And Jesus actually tells Martha, like, hey, Martha, you're so busy. You're so busy doing all these things. Like, leave Mary alone. Mary's, Mary's listening. And, and, and it's like this lesson for Martha who's always busy doing. That's Martha's personality. She's She's just always busy uh, serving and, and, and doing things. Well, then we get Lazarus. You know, Lazarus was probably like the strong, quiet type, right? And the reason I think that is because Lazarus never utters a word. All, I mean, he's literally brought back to life, and we don't get anything from Lazarus. In all of John's gospel, he never speaks. We have nothing recorded that he ever actually says. And so, uh, assuming a little bit here, but Lazarus was probably like the typical, like strong, silent type. But here's what I would say, maybe if that's you, if you're a person of few words, that's okay. Lazarus's life still speaks very loudly. It's a testimony to the power of Christ. And so a simple lesson in that is, man, maybe you're, the, maybe you're that kind of person who's just a person or a man or a woman of few words. Your life can still speak volumes. Your life can still point people to Christ. That's what Lazarus did. He didn't talk a lot. And then you have Mary. Mary is more of a reflective, like um, she, she's someone who thinks deeply, who contemplates, someone who, someone who feels deeply. You might say she's more emotional or she's more passionate, but I don't mean passionate in like a romantic kind of way. She just seems to be someone who is much more, um, again, feelings are, are very important to her. She's very, uh, again, um, thinks and feels deeply on a, on a deep level. So Mary responds to Jesus 
out of this, this heartfelt love and devotion for Christ. Something in her, um, man, something in her wants to do something because she's like, wears her emotions on her sleeve and she just wants to, she wants to do something to serve, do something to show the love and devotion that she has and that she feels very, very deeply for Christ. Anytime I think about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, I'm reminded that God has wired us all very differently. He's given us unique personalities. Uh, we are not the same. We're all made in his image, but we're very different. And that's a good thing. That is, a, that is a, a testament to the bigness and the beauty and the glory of God. And what that means is um, the way you love and worship and respond to God may not look the same as someone else in the way that they love and serve and worship the Lord. Um, I'm reminded of this in our church. We have a, a pretty large church and man, sometimes we get into this comparison game where we think we've got we've to do things the way someone else does. Um, I always think about this in regards to worship, for example. We have some people in our church who are, man, maybe I always like talk about the, the charismatic scale, like they're way over here on the charismatic scale, which just means their worship tends to be more expressive, right? They're the people that like, when there's worship, their hands are up in the air. There's a little bit of movement, right? Because they just can't stay still in worship. They're just something in them. They're just, they're moving a little bit. They're singing loud and they don't care if they're off key and if you hear them or not, they're just gonna belt it out at the top of their lungs. That's why our music's loud. So, you know, that doesn't matter, right? So um, there's just people that they're just, they're expressed. They may have some response in worship, right? That's the way they worship and that's awesome. It's full of passion and it's great, but Listen, there are other people who worship very differently. My, my parents, for example, they love Jesus with all their hearts and they worship and to them, I mean, they, they like singing hymns out of a hymnal. And for those of you that don't know what a hymnal is, it's a book that has not only words, but also the musical notes in it as if everybody can read music, right? And listen, they love singing those hymns because they're, they're rich and they're full of theology and they love, the, they love the theology of the hymns and their hymns that they grew up singing. And their worship is, is full of, like for them, it's just, it fills them. Um, and they're not, they're not always up moving around with their hands and jumping and shouting stuff, but to them, it's, it's the way that they choose to worship. And so worship's just one example, but God's wired us all a little bit different. And so the way that some of you respond to God is gonna look different than the way other people respond to God. The ways in which some of you serve God is going to look different than the way other people serve God. And so the lesson from Mary, Martha, and Lazarus is just make sure that we're responding to God. We're responding to the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it may look a little bit different. Judas, on the other hand, responds with contempt. He's angry. He's frustrated at Mary for her act. And it's on full display there when he, when he questions what she's doing. The second thing that I wrote down is that Mary responds to Jesus out of humility, whereas Judas responds to Mary out of a self-righteousness or a pride. Mary in that moment where she chose to pour this oil out and, and wash the feet of Jesus with her hair, it was a very humbling act. It, you might say it was a humiliating thing to do. Washing the feet of someone um, would have been the job of the, the lowest slave in the home, the person of the lowest standing. It was their responsibility to wash the feet. We're gonna talk about this some next week. We're gonna look at another example where Jesus actually washes the feet of his disciples and how they're taken back by that. 
to, 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 to kneel down and to scrub the feet. In that day and time, people's feet got pretty dirty. They would often either go barefoot or wear open-toed uh, sandals and the, the, the dusty roads. And so when you'd come into a house, it was normal to have a basin of water and maybe have your feet uh, washed off. And again, it was the job of the, the lowest person, um, the lowest person in, the, in, in the home would scrub and wash the feet. Mary walks in and kneels down, even though it was her home, and she chooses to wash the feet, wipe the feet of Jesus. Mary, in this moment, seems to care nothing for her own reputation. I love this idea that she's saying, listen, I don't, I don't care what people think. I don't care who's looking. I just, I, I wanna serve Jesus. I wanna do something to serve Jesus. I don't care how humiliating it will be. I don't care, uh, I don't care what other people think or say. I just wanna serve Jesus. Man, what would it look like if we could have the heart of Mary? I don't care what people think. I don't care what they say. I don't care how low of a job this is or how humiliating it may be. I just wanna serve Jesus, right? Whereas Judas responds, he cares a great deal about his reputation. Notice he tries to sound really holy and pious when he interjects. Well, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? See, he's trying to come across like he cares deeply about poor people and his righteous questioning. He, he cares. Judas is someone who cares a lot about his reputation and how he is thought of by everybody else in the room. As I read through the Gospels, one thing that strikes me is how Jesus seems to have this unbelievable affinity for people who care nothing of their own reputation people that are willing to die to self. Mary is just such a person. And while she responds to Jesus out of humility, Judas responds out of a self-righteousness and a pride. The third thing that I wrote down was that Mary responds to Jesus with generosity while Judas responds to Mary with selfishness. Mary responds with generosity um, in the text, it tells us this, this ointment or this perfume was very expensive. This was a very extravagant offering. Um, it, it, Judas mentions it could have been sold for 300 denarii. Denarii was a, basically a day's wage. Um, it, basically, it's a year's... It, this, this ointment or this oil was, was worth up to a year's wages. It was... Uh, it was an extract, an oil extract from the root of a plant grown in India. Uh, spikenard was used to anoint uh, kings and royalty. Um, we don't know how she uh, got it. Um, again, I mentioned Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were people of some means. They were rather wealthy. Um, but, but no doubt, this was a, this was a very extravagant gift. Um, in fact, I'll just, just think with me. I don't know how much money uh, you make in a given year, but imagine if you, whatever that number is, well, however much money you make in a given year, 50,000, 75,000, 100,000, whatever, whatever the number is, imagine something in your home that's worth that much, something you have held on to for a long time. And then one day you decide, time to spend it, right? This is what Mary does. This thing, think, uh, think about a gift worth, worth up to, I don't know, $100,000, and you just go, I'm just gonna pour it out. I'm just gonna pour it out. This is, this is the equivalent of what, of what Mary does. She takes this ointment, this oil, and begins to pour it and wash. Again, everyone in the room's attention probably turned. There were a lot of gasps. What in the world is she doing? Judas responds with selfishness. While Mary was willing to be generous, Judas, we're told in verse six, his real motive here, right? 
I'll remind you, verse six says that he said this, Judas said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So while Judas is coming across on the outside, like I care about the poor and this money could have been better used to give to the poor, we're actually told in the text what he really wanted, what he's really frustrated about is that that money wasn't put into the ministry coffers so that he could actually, you know, take some off the top. Judas is very selfish, Judas isn't looking out for other people. Judas is looking out for Judas. While Mary uses her money, her wealth, to serve Jesus, while, while Mary, um, you might say, worships Jesus with her money, Judas apparently worships money. Judas worships money. And I'm always reminded that Judas was put in charge of the money bags probably because on some level Judas was good with money. And just kind of a little side note, like sometimes the areas of our greatest strength can be the areas of our greatest temptation. Judas was probably good with money. They put him in charge of the money. But Judas was also tempted with riches and wealth and money. I could give you a number of examples all through scripture of people that stumbled, tempted, sinned in their area of, of greatest strength. You talk about someone like David. David was a a very passionate man. Well, his passion got the best of him when he sinned with Bathsheba. Um, there's, there's numerous examples. Solomon was um, known as, a, uh, God gave him wisdom. And one of his strengths was wisdom, but he lived a lot of his life as a complete fool. Someone like Peter. Peter's known as the leader of all the disciples, right? Peter was very bold, very cor- known as a bold and courageous guy. Often spoke before anybody else spoke. And yet, that got, the, that got the best of him when he tried to rebuke Jesus, right? To tell Jesus he was wrong. Sometimes our area of greatest strength can be the area in which we're most tempted. This certainly seemed to be the case for Judas. While Mary responds with generosity, this unbelievably extravagant and generous gift, Judas responds with selfishness. He just wants for himself. The final thing that I wrote down here is that Mary responded to Jesus with action. She actually does something whereas Judas responds to Mary with criticism. Mary's actually doing something. Judas isn't doing anything. He's just criticizing the person that is doing something. I was thinking about that this week. A lot of people have jobs where um, you're you're working hard, you're, you're doing your job, but there's always somebody that's like not even in your field, but they think they can do their job better than you, right? You know those people? Uh, hopefully you're not those people, but you might be, I don't know. Uh, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you might be that person, I'm not sure. I was thinking about it this morning, um, a couple of our coaches, a couple, we have some coaches um, that, that go here, and a couple of our coaches walked in, I was saying hi to them, and that's just like one of those jobs, right, where you know, they're, they're working late night hours, they're traveling with their teams, they're putting in all the time to coach, and there's always some parent in the stands, it's like, you know what they ought to do? I'll tell you what, they ought to play my son more, i tell you what, my, like, there's always that, that parent that thinks they could do their job better, right? This is classic Judas. Like Mary's actually doing something to love and to serve and to worship Jesus with this beautiful and extravagant gift. And Judas isn't doing anything, but he's just standing over there criticizing Mary for what she's doing, right? He responds with criticism. He just criticizes. I love this story because Mary of Bethany reminds us that a, a faithful life, a faithful life involves both sitting and doing. We need times in our life where we just 
sort of get in the presence of Christ and we just learn to sit at his feet. We also need times where we get up and we actually do something. And Mary is a beautiful example of both. You know, every time we see Mary in the Gospels, she's mentioned three times, and every time we see her in the Gospels, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. In Luke 10, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus while he's teaching. In John 11, after Lazarus, her brother, dies, she once again is at the feet of Jesus and she's grieving. She's mourning. And then here in John 12, she's once again at the feet of Jesus and she's serving or she's worshiping. Every time we see Mary, she's at the feet of Jesus. And so I said this in the first service, like this may fall on different people differently or, or some of you may need to hear something different in the life of Mary. For some of you, man, you're doers. You're like Martha. Man, you're always active. You're always doing. You're already serving in like 15 different places and you're always expending and your, your cup's always being poured out with other people and they're, you're just doing and you're striving and you're, and man, maybe today you need to look at Mary and just go, man, some of you need to just spend some time sitting at the feet of Jesus, you know? Just getting into his word, allowing his spirit to fill you up, um, time in worship. Some of you, man, you've got some hurts and some brokenness and you need to just be healed. And so some of you, the lesson, the, the message today for you is to be like Mary and just sit at the feet of Jesus. Stop striving, stop trying to do everything and um, conquer everything. And you just need to, you need to get into his presence and you need to allow his spirit to, to fill you up. Because if not, you're gonna end up just burnt out and, and broken and exhausted and you're not gonna be able to pour into anyone after a while because you're not being filled with anything. And then others of you, man, maybe, maybe all you do is, is just get filled up, right? Like you, you come to church every week and you hear a sermon and you enjoy the worship and you, maybe you listen to a, a couple of podcasts throughout the week of other preachers and you go to like 19 different Bible studies and worship services throughout the week and you listen to Caleb on your way to and from work every day and like, Man, you're all about like sitting and just absorbing and worshiping and reading and, and you need to, I don't know, like get up and do something, right? Like start serving somewhere, start pouring into some other people, start giving, generous, start, start doing something with all of the information that you have. That's what Mary, she actually does something. James reminds us in James chapter two, verse 17, he says, faith, if it is not accompanied by works, is dead or useless, right? And so I know that in a church our size, we have people that are all over the map here. And sometimes it can be a challenge as a pastor when we're trying to encourage people to like, man, serve and give and invest and do. And then there's people, I know there's people that are already doing all of that stuff and they're like the ones feeling like, maybe I should be doing more, <laughs> all right? And so again, this may need to fall on different people differently. Maybe today you need to just get in the presence of Jesus. You need to just spend some time at his feet. Or maybe, if you're honest, you've been spending a lot of time at his feet and you need to get up and do something. Serve, give, invest in other people. Mary is a great example that the faithful life involves both times and seasons of sitting and times and seasons of doing. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful today for this wonderful story of this um, faithful servant of yours named Mary. And God, I pray that today we could learn from her example. 
God, that we would learn to respond to you the way that she responded. So God, we just ask you to help us where we need it. And God, whatever that is. I know for some here, God, they, they've, they've been striving and, and doing and they're just worn out and they're tired. Maybe they're even wounded. And God, I pray for them today and I pray that you would give them time to just sit at your feet. Time in worship, time in your word, time to absorb, time, God, for you, your Holy Spirit, to just fill their cup so that they can continually invest in other people. And God, for others, I pray, God, that you would give them the courage and the strength that they need to to begin to put their faith into action where they begin to do some things for you. They begin to serve. They begin to love the people around them. They love their neighbors. They invest in other people. They give generously, God. I just pray that you would would help us not to have a, a dead or a useless or a complacent faith. So God, give us wisdom to know the difference. Give us times and seasons in our life of both sitting and doing because that's what a healthy life looks like. We pray this today in Jesus' name.